is upside down and the majority turns to the left, turn to the right, always right with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. 1038 now we continue on Always Right Radio, AM 1420. The answer online at alwaysright.us, alwaysright.us. Thanks again to uh, Dr. Everett Piper. Thanks to Dave Rubin. And this is the one we have been waiting for. I know you have been waiting for. You know, it's, it's amazing. Can you imagine running a marathon and then getting to the end and you finally break the tape after three, four, or in my case, 17, 18 hours of running? And then when you get there, they say, okay, now the race starts. Now you got to do it all over again. Because that's what happens when you win a grueling primary fight like the one that J.D. Vance just won against some very, very stiff competition in the GOP uh, Senate race. Now that the race is over, the race is only beginning. Now it gets harder. Now he's got to beat Tim Ryan to uh, ascend to the seat that is being vacated by Rob Portman. So one thing at a time, let's welcome J.D. Vance back to our program on AM 1420. The answer for the first time as the verified GOP nominee for that seat. J.D., good morning. How are you? Good morning, Bob. I'm good. How are you? Uh, I'm great, thanks. Not as good as you. I didn't win a race. Uh, how do you feel? <laughs> I mean, I, when you saw the return starting to come in, or let me rephrase, what was your attitude as the day went on? Did you feel like, I feel really confident going into tonight, or were you really nervous, have the butterflies uh, you know, in your stomach, uh, and then how did that change as you saw the numbers start to roll? Yeah, well, a little bit of both, right? I mean, I, I felt good, like we were going to win. I also felt like it could be very close, and you know, having never been on a ballot before, uh, you just never know how this stuff is going to shake out. I, I mean, I will say that you know, pretty early on, I mean, I'd say maybe maybe 10 till 8 or so, when the early returns from the early voting started coming in, you know, what what we had thought and my, our sort of theory of the case was if the early voting, if we lost it by a little, we would win the race and do it, you know, comfortably enough that it wouldn't be a late night. And it was looking pretty consistently like we were winning the early vote by a little, and that, that just immediately seemed like a very good sign. And then when the, the the same you know the day of vote started to, to report, uh, it just you know kind of blew things wide open for us. And you know I, I I thought I'd win. I didn't necessarily think we'd win by eight and a half points, but you know it's good. And, and it's you know like I like I said in my in my victory speech, uh, the real race. And as you just said, the real race starts. And you know we've got to we've got to go out and earn the votes of all the people uh, who just ran really hard campaigns and all their supporters. Uh, but then we've also got to you know try to try to attract some people who didn't vote in the primary at all so we can actually beat tim ryan now that's key by the way i was very disappointed with the turnout really really bothers me when people don't think that these matter this is your opportunity to really choose who you think is the best person not waiting to see what somebody else picks in the primaries and then i'll vote for whoever wins in the general i think i think i think it's a dereliction of duty for people not to cast their votes in races like this but i want to talk about what you just said uh, J.D., uh, you know, I, I asked you very tough questions. A lot of people did over the course of the last five, six months. Um, and, you know, it, it's about your your credentials, your true America First credentials, and so on and so forth. Um, there were people after President Trump's endorsement, as you know, who weren't happy. And there are people after you won who weren't happy. And I'm talking about the Mandel sure. supporters. I'm talking about the Gibbons supporters. I'm talking about some people who said they just don't know if they can trust what you have been saying more recently compared to what you've said in the past. So looking at a Josh Mandel voter right now, especially after the real, you know, it got it got pretty it got pretty vicious there uh, in the last sure. week or two in terms of the campaign ads against one another, both calling each other frauds, both calling each other, you know, all kinds of things. If not yourselves, certainly your uh, your campaigns. How do you look at a Josh Mandel voter right now and say, "Come with me. This is important. I swear I won't let you down." How did he say that to a Mike Gibbons supporter? What do you say to them? 
Well, I think the easiest thing is is to point out the fact that we really don't want, given all the craziness that's going on in the country right now, to give the Democrats a seat right now. Uh, but I think that's maybe the cheap way out. You know, it's sort of like, well, you know, I'm not as bad as Democrats, so vote for me. I mean, I, I guess the thing that I'd, uh, I, I, the pitch I'd make to those voters is even since I've won the race, uh, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not running as an establishment guy. I'm not running as a rhino. I don't know if you saw, but yesterday I blasted Karl Rove uh, because I think he's a slime ball. And I think the more that I've learned about how he was trying to destroy my campaign, the more frustrated I get. And, and I think it's important because so many of the Mandela and Givens voters in particular, they don't want somebody who's going to go along to get along. Uh, we actually need a Republican who's going to stand for our own voters. And, uh, you know, that's, that's uh, you know, the, the way I think about this at the end of the day is those people uh, don't owe me their vote. I have to go out and earn it. And I'm going to spend the next six months trying to do that. But I, I really do think, Bob, that, that when, when the time comes in November and people see how I conduct myself over the next six months and people see – what we're up against in the Democrats, I, I think the gross majority of Mandel and Gibbons supporters are going to vote for me. And that's, you know, but again, that's the game I have to play, and that's the, the work I have to do over the next six months. Yeah, I, you, you do. And by the way, super quick, um, what specifically about Rove are you referring to? I saw you on Tucker last night. Well, I heard you say that, too. Yeah. What, what is it that he did, uh, as far as you say, trying to destroy your campaign? Well, a couple, a couple things, actually. I mean, one is is a, a couple of million dollars that was dropped into the race, I mean, really at a point where it couldn't have done anything other than damage me in, in anticipation of the fight against the Democrats. I mean, it came in so late. Um, you know, the, the, some of the ads ran well after most of the votes had already been even, even cast. Uh, that, was, that was, you know, put in by a group of establishment rhino donors, and uh, Carl Rove, of course, had encouraged them to do that. I found out from a couple of sources. There are also a couple of people who had promised me that they would help our campaign, you know, financially or otherwise, uh, who said that they wouldn't because Carl Rove had been making phone calls uh, saying GD is a particularly dangerous kind of Republican. Uh, and, I, and I think it, this, this encapsulates so much, I mean, frankly, Bob, of what I didn't see about the, the Republican establishment in 2016, but I certainly see now, is these people expect total unflinching loyalty from the base, a base that they often stab in the back. Uh, but they themselves, even after a primary is effectively over, they, they don't play that game. They don't expect themselves to be loyal. It just really frustrates me. Um, and, I, I, you know, I, I'm like one of these people. I'm still very optimistic about our country. I think even most Democrats, the voters at least, not the elites, but the voters of the Democrat Party, most of them are good people. Most of our voters are great people. But I think the leadership of the political class in this country is just unbelievably corrupt and Bob. Uh, there are some things I'd say on the record, like I just did. There are some things I'd say off the record, but that has been the lesson of the last year is the extraordinary corruption of even our own party. Uh, we are talking with uh, Senate candidate J.D. Vance, now officially the GOP nominee for the seat held by Rob Portman, of course, which is being vacated. Now, J.D., I could interview for you, interview you for six straight hours and never run out of questions. But I've asked you, well, you know that to be the case. Um, so what I did yesterday is I tried to do some advanced scouting for you, and I asked people on my social uh, pages when I told them I was going to have you on again today, what do you need to hear from J.D. Vance? What do you need to ha- to bring you around if you're a skeptic? You know, again, if you were Mandel or Gibbons or, or didn't vote at all, or if you have questions, what do you need me to ask him to help you decide if you're going to come around and support him? Which, by the way, I do fully. I, I, I told, uh, and I think everybody in the race has said they would support the eventual winner, and uh, and I'm sure you're getting that from from the others. 
But, um, you know, what I've always said is, uh, you, you know, we need to build a wall between the Democrats and power. And in this case, we need to build a wall, borrowing President Trump's uh, actual wall, between Tim Ryan and the United States Senate. And that means supporting the winner, which is you. And we need to get everybody to do that. So I said, what do you have? What I have to ask him and what does he have to answer to get you to support J.D. Vance if you weren't a Vance supporter in the primary? So I've got a ton of questions that came in and I'm going to try to kind of rapid fire them at you. Sure. Uh, and these are yeah. what the people want to know. So these are right off my Facebook and Truth Social pages. So here we go. Uh, first one is, J.D., why were you not registered as a Republican voter on Ohio voter records? Yeah, very simple, because I didn't vote in the 2020 Republican primary. Obviously, I voted for Trump in 2020, um, but I didn't see a primary really worth having. And it's kind of weird. In 2018, I actually did send in an absentee ballot. I was uh, I was actually on a work trip uh, when uh, when we had Election Day in 2018, but apparently it didn't come in, uh, didn't count. Uh, I, I probably Maybe I sent it in too late. But if you don't vote, and it's the most recent two elections. So if you look at my full voter history, I voted in Republican primaries in the state of Ohio, you know, many times, just not within the past, I think, two cycles, which is which is where this hit came from. So I actually have registered as a Republican before. I've only registered as a Republican. I just didn't do it apparently in 2018 or 2020. Got it. Thank you. Uh, does he support? This is again a Facebook question from a, from a listener slash uh, a friend. Uh, does he support a two term limit for the office he is pursuing and all others? I don't know if I've ever asked yeah. you about term limits. Uh, well, two-term limit for the Senate, yes. Uh, I would not support a two-term limit for the House. I think probably eight or eight or, or sorry, four or five terms is probably the right number in the House. Uh, that would be because you know House terms are so much shorter. Of course. Uh, but I'm, I'm very much a I'm very much a term limit guy, and I don't think that anybody should go to Washington and park themselves for more than ten or twelve years and just you know suck off the public teeth. I also think it's incredibly corrupting when the bureau- bureaucrats spend forty years. And so, an argument I make about term limits is they should apply to legislators and bureaucrats. They should apply to you know, Tony Fauci as much as to me. Uh, J.D., next question from our Facebook crowd is this. What is your view of Rob Portman as a senator? You know, I mean, there's obviously Portman endorsed Timken. I was not happy about that. Uh, there are some things I agree with Portman on. Uh, I really, you know, really strongly disagreed with some of his approach on trade, some of his approach, you know, on the infrastructure bill, which I think unfortunately gave the Democrats this sort of fake bipartisan flag to wave. Uh, so I'm definitely more conservative than Rob, um, but I also recognize you know he did some good things, and I'm not um, I'm, I'm not going to take away from that either. So you know I plan to be a more conservative senator than Rob Portman, um, but I'm also you know also want to support in this race and think he did a lot of good things for Ohio. Uh, a different uh, Facebook question about a different senator. What does JD think of Mitt Romney? Because that's who I believe he will be like. <laughs> Uh, I'm just reading well, them now. All right, I'm just reading them. I, I, I ask I you my own. <laughs> these are these are the, from well, the people. Well, you know, it's of course, and it's 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 interesting, of course, that a lot of the Mitt Romney political establishment really tried to take me down in this race. Um, I mean, look, my my view on Romney is that I think it's it's indicative of everything that's wrong with the Republican establishment. This guy was our nominee in our party in 2012, and of course, I voted for him. Um, but the fact that 10 years later he's voting for a very radical Democrat Supreme Court nominee, the fact that he, he trains his fire more on Republicans than anybody else. I mean, I, look, I think the problem with Mitt Romney, and I think, you know, the person who asked this question is probably thinking a little bit about 2016. I'll be honest with you, Bob, it was probably a problem with me, too, six or seven years ago, is I cared too much about the approval of the media. And I think that's, that's the problem with media or with, with Romney is he wants the approval of people who will never give us a fair shake. And so he's constantly tap dancing for the other side. 
Um, even though he might have good values, at least some of the time, he's constantly tap dancing for people who hate our voters. Uh, I'm not going to play that game, and I wish he wouldn't either. We're talking with J.D. Vance this morning, asking J.D. your questions uh, that I've asked you for. Uh, what will it take? What does he have to answer for you to say, I'm in Camp Vance, and I'm going to try to stop Tim Ryan, and we're going to win this race? Uh, the next one, J.D., is what is his opinion of Liz Cheney and the January 6th investigation committee? Well, the, the, you know, I, I'm very close to Don Jr. He's become a pretty good friend over the last couple of years. You know, again, talk about the corruption of the political class. I think what people don't realize about the, the fake January 6th committee is that it's completely not interested in actually identifying, you know, what caused January the 6th. Uh, they're not asking any of the tough questions that should be asked about that day. Like, for example, was anybody in the FBI in the crowd, right? That's been asked of the FBI leadership. The FBI leadership has refused to answer. Um, but more importantly, in some ways, is that the text messages that they're subpoenaing, I've had friends aside from Don Jr. who have had their text messages subpoenaed by this January the 6th committee, uh, they're being leaked to the media. Um, and so it's not really about discovering or identifying anything. It's really about harassing people who supported Donald Trump, including members of his own family. So I think it's a sham. It's not going to ever uncover anything useful. Uh, luckily, I think that, that, that most voters just don't care. I don't think the Democrats are going to get anything useful out of it either. Uh, I will say, you know, Liz Cheney, hard to imagine a person I disagree with more strongly. I mean, you know, you and you and you and I, Bob, disagreed a little bit over the Ukraine-Russia issue and how aggressive our response should be. And one of the things I'd say about Liz Cheney is that it, it, all of her anti-Trump thing, it's not about Trump. It's about two things, trade and foreign policy. If if Donald Trump was weak on China and if he wanted to drop a hydrogen bomb on Moscow, Liz Cheney would be his biggest fan. It's not about anything other than that. And I think she's the worst kind of Republican, and I'm glad she's not going to be in the party in a couple of years. Very strong. Uh, J.D., this one is very simple. What is a woman? <laughs> an adult human female. What is a female? That's my follow-up, because I do that all the time when people ask me, because that's, you know, you see that definition, well, it's an adult human female, but then you say, okay, what does it mean to be female? The left, of course, would tell you that it means whatever you feel like you are inside of your head. What do you say? Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a person with female reproductive organs and the genetic makeup of, of a woman. You know, I think that's, that's, that's what it is. Don't you find and it interesting, I, 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 by the way, J.D., I'm sorry, but don't you find it interesting that suddenly they, they have figured out what a woman is again now that that Roe versus Wade uh, a draft opinion has been like? Suddenly they need a victim, victim class here. They need to be able to scream misogyny and sexism, and so they got Kamala Harris and everybody How dare the- they? How dare they tell a woman what she can do and cannot do with her own body? Suddenly it's women who's, who, who can have babies and not birthing persons, <laughs> not males. And did you notice there was no hesitation on the pronouns there? She and her right away. Isn't it funny how women become women yep. again when they need them to be women? Well, it just shows this is all, this entire farce is all about political power. But yeah, I think it was Gavin Newsom or some other Democrat was giving a speech within the last couple of days. And I remember thinking that I had said something similar um, you know, just about the differences between men and women. And I would be called, you know, I, w- I was called a transphobe when I said those things. And of course, uh, they're not, they're not in transphobia now that it's not politically useful. You know, Bob, but one thing I want to say just about this whole trans issue that I think is very important, and this is something I'm going to hammer in the general election is, you know, Democrats always say that they're the party of the working man, the party of working people. And that's a farce on its face. But one thing that's really disgusting and vile about this whole trans moment that nobody's talking about is that the pharmaceutical companies are lobbying the medical industry, the medical accreditation boards, 
and also our own state legislatures to effectively allow experimentation on young children in a way that makes those pharmaceutical companies very wealthy. This is the thing that not enough people talk about, that when nine-year-olds are given hormonal therapies, somebody's getting rich from it and somebody has lobbied for it, and that is a very, very dark thing. If we learn anything, we should be, we should be really, really cautious about the biomedical security state in this country. I could not agree more with that. Uh, a couple more here, J.D., before you go, uh, the listeners are asking. Um, what? Uh, excuse me. Will he be strong enough to stay away from the money of the special interest groups, especially money coming from Silicon Valley? Yeah, of course. And I know this is one of the hits on me, and we've talked about this, Bob, but you know, the only real major donor from Silicon Valley I've, I've, I've taken money from is Peter Thiel, who I don't agree with on everything, but I think is actually very aligned uh, with, with you and me and with, with the listeners of the show. Um, you know, at, at the end of the day, money is definitely a corrupting part of politics. I've learned this uh, over the last year. I think we need real campaign finance reform in this country. I think, frankly, McCain-Feingold, uh, which was, of course, this, 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 this you know, legislative effort by John McCain, nobody talks about this. But one of the things that it did is really empower the money people in the establishment, uh, and that, that's something we have to, I think, ultimately look at. You're never going to have a Republican Party for the people with the current campaign finance laws that we have in this country. Um, J.D., uh, next question is, uh, did it bother you that President Trump couldn't remember your name and called you J.P. and then J.D. Mandel? <laughs> I've been no, playing that one over I mean... and over again. It drove, it drove me nuts. It drove me nuts. Go ahead. Yeah, no, not at all, actually. I mean, the, the president, first of all, I talk to the president every other day, um, and and you know since the endorsement he called me every other day. It was a checking in on the on the polls, and you know how's it looking, and what's the energy on the ground, and you know I mean he gives thousands of words worth of speeches every single week. You can't expect a guy. I mean hell, I give a 500 word speech and I screw up a couple of words, right? <laughs> uh, so I, I think sometimes people misspeak. It's nothing other than that, and uh, I'm I'm very certain that the president is 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 was and remains a big supporter of mine. J.D., how do you plan to navigate the cesspool of hatred that you'll have to endure through the remainder of this campaign and once elected? You know, rely on my family. Uh, you know, rely on, obviously, I'm a, I'm a strong Christian, was, was baptized for the first time actually a few years ago. Um, I, I think that's the only way to really do it. it. It is, you know, I think you have to go into this, if at least if you're going to do it the right way and accept it, it's a spiritual war. And the only way to win a spiritual war is to actually fight it, but, but to know that it's going to be a little tough. Uh, but if, if you're if you've got the right foundation, you can get through it. Um, you know, Josh Hawley, who's become a very good friend of mine, was campaigning with me in Ohio on Sunday and Monday right before the election. And, you know, it's just one of the things I really liked about him. It's not just what he says publicly and what he does. It's he's, he's been a very good mentor to me on how to not get caught up in the disgusting swamp of D.C. Uh, he has actual strategies for how he tries to tune out the worst parts of D.C., you know, while embracing his friends and his allies. And, you know, I, I think, you know, everybody's going to have their own strategy, but but we're certainly going to have one uh, to try to avoid getting caught up in the worst parts of that town because it is it is a scummy town. They call it the swamp for a reason. Yeah, no doubt about it. J.D., last one for you, and this one's going to be mine, just because you brought up Josh Hawley. I like him a lot as well. You had a lot of high-profile, really, really conservative senators going for uh, various people. You know, you, you obviously, or excuse me, Mike Gibbons had Rand Paul in his corner. Ted Cruz came out for Josh Mandel. You had Senator Hawley uh, and others. Do, do you think, in addition to getting the other candidates to get behind you now that you're the nominee, do you think that the other senators who supported the other candidates will join that cause and get behind you? 
I really do. Yeah, I mean, I talked to Ted Cruz actually the night of the election. Very, very gracious and cordial. Uh, I'm sure, you know, Ted, Ted is a warrior, and he's going to keep on fighting, and he's going to help me beat Tim Ryan in general. Uh, I'm sure that I'll talk to, to Mike Lee and Rand Paul in the coming days. Uh, you know, I've, I've got good relationships with both of them, even before, you know, they endorsed, uh, they endorsed Mandel and Givens, respectively. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not too worried about that. I think, look, um, we all just should have learned the hard way over the last couple of years exactly what's at stake. And I really don't doubt that, that the, the, the most conservative people are going to be out there to support me and defend me. Uh, the, the, the challenge that we have, I think, in our campaign is, you know, we've, we've got to get the strong conservatives. We've got to get the moderate Republicans. And we've got to get a few other people as well. And that, that, to me, is the goal. And you've got to do that, I think, not by compromising, not by running to the center, as all these consultants want me to do, but by actually articulating a vision of conservatism that's appealing uh, to people all across the state of Ohio. And I think we can do that, and I think we will. J.D. Vance is the GOP nominee. He's going to be facing Tim Ryan in the fight to keep a red seat red and hopefully make it a little bit redder, quite frankly, because my answer to the question about Rob Portman would have been a little bit different than yours. I was very disappointed in the level of conservatism and the strong uh, message that I, I think was lacking there, and I hope you can improve upon that if and when you get into that seat. We'll be doing our part to keep it red by supporting you. I hope everybody else will do the same thing, and we hope we can continue to get your message out there uh, as, uh, as the coming months go uh, come and go. Thanks, Bob. Take care. Thank, thank you, J.D. J.D. Vance is the guy. You may or may not have wanted him, depending on how you voted, but he is the guy. And uh, I think it is incumbent upon all of us. It's extremely important for all of us to give him the support he needs to beat Tim Ryan. Tim Ryan would be and will be a disaster. J.D. Vance gives us a chance to have a more conservative candidate or senator rather than we have there right now. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.